Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Thank you, Christine. Well, good morning. Uh, good to be with you this morning. If I have not met you, my name is Steve Pink. I serve as the director of ministry here at Grace, and I'm thankful to be getting to share the, the word uh, and the sermon with you this morning. Um, a couple things before we get started. Uh, we are back in the book of James. We're going to finish uh, this weekend, so today and then next Sunday, we're going to finish the first chapter of James as we slowly crawl through this uh, from time to time. Um, a couple weeks back, we started James, and we had uh, two sermons on the first part of the chapter, and then, of course, we finished our summer sermon series uh, with Pastor Ransom last week, and in a couple weeks, we'll start uh, a new sermon series in the fall. So as I have been working through study this week, I'm thankful um, and I'm excited about getting to share this message with you this morning. Um, I'm thankful for how James pushes us. Uh, it's a book that there was broken into uh, 108 verses, the letter. 58 of them are commands. 58 of the 108 verses are commands. It's a book where James, uh, just a, a recap of sorts so that we can kind of have some context coming in to verse 19. James, the brother of Jesus. Okay, this is James, the brother of Jesus, writing this letter. Uh, after the resurrection, puts his faith in his brother um, and takes up a prominent position in the church in Jerusalem and was regarded as a very holy, holy uh, man, a man that was... Um, was respected. They, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a phrase that says his knees were like a camel's knees because of the prayer life that he had. Um, so he was a very uh, respected leader in the Jerusalem church. And, and the context is he is writing this letter to Jewish brothers and sisters of his that have put their faith in Christ just as he is. And he is writing uh, this letter to those that are outside of Jerusalem. And he's hearing all kinds of, of news that is coming in uh, from how these early churches are starting. And so this letter is written to them, circulating. And you may go, what does this have to do with 2020, uh, 2021? And the, the reality is some of the things that he's addressing seem to hit close to home. It, it hits, at least for me, as I read scripture, I'm struck by the things that he's writing to I deal with. And maybe you deal with as well. Some of these things that he's talking about is that there's oppression that's happening in the church. Uh, there's there's uh, classifications that church members are grouping into, both in the church and out of the church, uh, as in this scattered area. But that there's there's rich that are are pushing down the poor. There's there's the poor that are then trying to earn. A, a standing with the rich, and they're, they're catering to the rich in the church and, and kind of jockeying for position of power through the lens of man instead of through the lens of God. There's worldliness. They like their stuff, and they didn't want to get rid of their stuff. 
They like their stuff more than they like their brother or their sister. And, and we deal with that today. Those are real things. Um, there was competition even within the church of jockeying for position of, of elder or teacher. Um, there, was, there was conflict that, that continued to come and to come and to come through the one muscle that was in their mouth, the tongue. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. But this was a big deal that was going on, is that people could not keep their mouth closed and, and have, a, have, have their temper eased. And we see that a lot, the fighting that was within the church during this time. These are common today, and uh, if you're thinking, you know, how does this actually speak to me, I'm going to ask us to take an honest assessment of our heart, wherever we stand with Christ. Take an honest assessment of our heart as we move into these three commands from verse 19 that James gives us. And then the two commands that he gives us in verse 21. And so I'm thankful for this morning. I'd love to pray for us, and uh, we will start looking at verse 19. Father, we are grateful for this morning and for the ministry of you giving us your word, this scripture. God, I pray for our hearts to hear. I pray for our eyes to, he- to, to see. Uh, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to move. And we're grateful, God, that we get to gather. Uh, we pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world right now that don't have this privilege. And we're thankful, Lord, for your word as, as it teaches us, guides us, corrects us, um, and leads us in righteousness. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let me, uh, I said we'll start in 19. Let me read 16 through 18 um, just so we can have a little bit of understanding because 19 jumps off with this action, with this so therefore do this uh, commands. So verse 16, if you look with me, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. James loves these people. And I think this could be misconstrued that because he's, he's giving direction, he's coaching, he's commanding, we can sometimes think that you know, he's just kind of leading from afar and doesn't have a true desire for these folks to grow. His heart is for them to grow and, and as we see, for us to grow uh, in maturity. And, that, and that's what we see in James over and over and over again is the issue that we're dealing with, friends, is spiritual immaturity. It's, it's baby Christians trying to work out this new salvation that they've, that they've received. And, and there is trouble in that. And so if you are in a place where you are going, man, I just feel, as, as Paul says, I, I, the things I want to do, I just don't do. But the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. Focus, listen, lean into what James is teaching you this morning because I believe Jesus is teaching us um, gospel maturity in this letter. So he goes on to verse 17, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, of God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Okay, so James is setting up, this is who God has called you to be, but this is the reports, that are, these are the reports I'm hearing of who you are, okay? So this is who, uh, maybe we personalize this a bit more. To, Steve, this is who you are called to be in Christ. 
but, but we're hearing reports that, that what you're saying and, and who you are isn't uh, correlating. It's, it's not correct. It's not in line with, with, with what we're hearing about how you are and how you're talking to each other, how you're speaking with each other, how you're treating one another. And so he goes into verse 19, and James says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Know this, grace prez. Know this, hearers, uh, as I write this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Verse 20, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick to hear. We, uh, we live in a world where information overload is a real thing, right? I would be embarrassed if you looked at my Google search bar for the last week of the things that I've just thought of that I've just wanted to know. I mean, information overload. Hey, what was the completion percentage of Peyton Manning in 1998? I, I just want to know that. Oh, okay, cool, great. You know, like, um, I am so interested in who played that in that, that one woman actress that was in that one scene of that movie, and it, she wasn't like a star. She was just like a, she had like a mini, mini part in it. I would like to know that. You know, and then all of a sudden it's there. And like I, if you're like me, you fill your brain with all kinds of, you just have random thoughts throughout the day. What's Brewster's ice cream made of? Right? I mean, I don't know. Like I just, random thoughts, and I just look it up, and in, in, and in turn, I have become um, over, my, my brain is on overdrive all the time. And, and I, I thought about it like years ago, um, I'm 40, so I'm not, I'm 40, I'm a man. <laughs> I'm not an old man at this point, but, but I'm a man. I've received uh, recognition from Oklahoma State's coach. Um, I'm 40, and even 20 years ago, I thought back like, as I was preparing for this, I was like, how did... How did I used to get information 20 years ago? Because it truly is so quick. When it pops in my mind, I just find the answer, and I'm like, cool, I'm satisfied. How was I satisfied with information prior? And the reality is this. You either had to have an encyclopedia at the house. You had to do work to get to a library to go find an answer. Like, you literally had to get in your car, go to the library, look up from an encyclopedia or whatever kind of book that you could find that would have this answer, get the answer and then be satisfied and then leave. Or you just like, you were like, some things just aren't meant to be known. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's in Brewster's ice cream. I'm okay with that. Like you, you just were satisfied a little easier with not knowing. And, and you might be going, Steve, what, like, what does this have to do with the book of James? And what I'm trying to get to is that we need James's direction and teaching and this command to be quick to hear as much now as we ever have as a church. We, we need to take the truth, and, and it's, it's like pasta in a strainer. We need to strain out all the things that really don't matter, but allow our minds to be filled with the truth, right? Like... As James gives us this direction, we don't just need to hear it uh, and let it flow out. It's, it's not just a, a thought that comes to us of going, I wonder what Peyton Manning's completion percentage was, and then get satisfied and it moves out of our brain. But we need to allow it to marinate, to take up residence in us. His word gives us life. And James is saying, take this truth and marinate on it. 
Allow it to challenge you. Hear it. Be quick to hear this. Don't just push it to the side, but move to it quickly and allow it to change you. That's what they needed to hear, and that's what you and I need to hear this morning. Allow God's truth to literally shape you, to change you, to put all that you know of God to him and allow him to share with you the truth that we find in his word. Um, we applaud in our society, in our culture, and I would say this was true of James's time when he wrote this because of what he's writing to, but we applaud speaking. We applaud eloquent speakers, right? Have you heard her speak? Oh, have you heard him speak? Wow, he is amazing. You need to download that. We applaud speakers, but James does something interesting here. He does what his brother Jesus did, is take what, this, what the world loves and turns it upside down. And James says this, instead of applauding the speaking, he puts the accent on listening. He puts the accent mark on listening and hearing being the desirable trait. You see, and, and I believe it's a heart-level hearing. Uh, you know, as we just talked about, it's a, it's a, it's a sifting out of, of all the nonsense, but allowing the truth to really take up residence in us. And he, he, he puts forward, I believe, a heart-level hearing. And, and you might go, what, what is that? What is a heart-level hearing? I think a heart-level hearing and what James is getting at is, is an intentional intensity in listening to another person. Uh, we see two things here. I think, he's, I think he's talking about listening to the truth. But I also think he's talking about listening to each other. In the context of verse 19, as, as we'll, we'll keep talking uh, about it. And, and I think as I, I thought about, okay, what does it mean to really listen, to hear someone? It, it kind of struck me that it falls right in line with loving our brother and loving our sister, right? Like, it, it's, it's like the second of the greatest commands. Because when you listen to somebody, what are, you, what are you actually doing? You are making the choice to close your mouth and give that person an undivided attention to share with you their feelings, their thoughts, their hopes. You are loving them when you are listening to them. And James puts the accent mark on hearing. So let's transition that for a minute to and apply that heart level hearing to God's word. Well, what do we get? James is saying this is the problem that we're addressing is that spiritually we are immature. Let me give you some coaching on what it looks like to be mature. And as we see that, one of the focal points, the first point that James gets in growing spiritually is learning how to be a listener of the word. Learning how to be a hearer of the word. It grows us in our maturity. It grows us spiritually deeper in intimacy with the lover of our soul. Listening to God's word is our hope. And, and, and our hope lies in his word. And there's growth there. We are changed. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. The second he says is slow to speak. Most sources of conflict in my life have to do with when I have chosen to use my mouth and how I've chosen to use it. 
If you've ever been in any type of relationship, which is not, it doesn't even have to be a, a, a dating relationship, any kind of relationship which you're here, so you're in, you are now in a relationship of some sort, you realize that the way you use your mouth and the tone to which you use your mouth, it really matters. James says this to his original audience, um, which was much more informal in their church services than we are. It was instead of maybe just one person sharing and others listening, it was a bit more conversational. There was a little bit more interaction between the speaker and the listener. And he shares this. Uh, he shares that, that being slow to speak actually matters because when you're quick and you're right off the jump with, with speaking to others, you, you lose this heart level of hearing. Uh, Douglas Moo says this, he's a, a commentator, and he says, the admonition to display wisdom by listening much and talking little is found quite often in James. As we talked about James, his ho just holiness, he knows the law. He knows the Old Testament. He knows the book of Proverbs. And, and Proverbs says this, Solomon writes in Proverbs 10, the one who talks much will for sure sin, but he who is careful what he says is wise. As we quiet our mouth and consider the truth, it leads us into being slow to anger. So James tells us to be quick to listen we're, we're consciously making the effort to close our mouths, to love another by hearing what they're saying, and as we hear what they say, it causes us to be slow to speak. As we're slow to speak, we're able to consider the truth. We're able to strain what is, what is true out of this conversation. We're able to strain what is true out of the word of God. Um, although all of it's true, <laughs> um, we are, we're able to hear the truth and hold it, and live it. And it leads us into this place of being slow to anger. And this is the third, this is the third uh, command, in a sense, that James gives us. He says, uh, be slow in anger. Temper is what he's getting at here. Temper. Um, and, and, and James is saying, there is a way for you to calm and curb this temper that you have. And it, it's, we're going to see it in verse 21, but it's, it's, it's through this calming and curbing of this temper that God does in your life that allows you to move into deeper relationships, to hear, to listen, to speak words of the gospel, this gospel truth. Psalm 17, or Proverbs 17 says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. James says this in verse 20 uh, of the scripture passage this morning, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You see, this calming my temper, curbing my temper, becoming even-tempered is, is something that we, we, we need to understand and maybe something to be clear on is that 
we, God is not just a bigger, better one of us. I think when we get angry, we, we go, well, this is a righteous anger. And, and I want to challenge and push for a moment on the reality that you and, and you and I and God, we are not on the same playing field. We're not the JV, and if we work harder, we become the varsity. God and you and I, God is not just a bigger, better one of us, and our anger is not God's anger. My anger, my temper is evoked when, when I'm offended, when, when I'm challenged and, and I am being tested for power. Uh, my, my anger is disrupted when my preferences aren't being met. My, my anger, my, my temper is, is triggered when my desires aren't, aren't being done, when my desires are being offended. You see, you and I are typically, we are, we are frustrated, we are easily angered, we're tempered when we don't get what we want, when we want it, how we want it. That's typically how we work. God's anger is not that. We are sinful. We're broken. We're not full and whole on our own. We're not pure in our motives. We're wrestling with sin in our life as we are moved further and further, closer, closer, I should say, to heaven. God's anger isn't our anger. He's holy. He's perfect. His anger is righteous. It's pure. And in fact, our anger can be the opposite of the patience that God wants to produce in us. And so James is addressing this early church, and he's addressing us in the same way of going, listen, be quick to listen, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because in doing so, the anger that you're producing in, in, in not obeying these things doesn't produce God's righteous anger or God's righteousness. And so James gives good counsel, right? These are things that we, we need to hear. And these are things that, that we today in 2021 need to be encouraged in and challenged with. But why is it I try to listen, yet I fail? I try to be slow to speak, but I fail. I try to be uh, slow and to control my temper, but I fail. Why is it, church, that you and I, why do we, we're told these things, we want to do these things, we want to live these ways out, but we don't. We're not perfect. We fail in this. Why is James giving us these commands, and even as hard as we try, we fail? That brings us to verse 21. And this is where, where I want you to hear God's grace for us as James gives us these commands that, that are good advice and are truths and are things that we ought to continue to grow towards. But for some reason, we can't do it. And he tells us in verse 21, Therefore, put away all filthiness, and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James gives us two more commands, and I love these commands. He says, put away. 
Put away the rampant wickedness in your life. Put away the desire for you to sit on the throne of your own life. Put away the same sin that you've been saved from. Just put it away. It's the, the, the word that he uses here for put away is the same kind of thought of, like, of, of removing clothing from you. Put it away. Get rid of all this rampant wickedness that's in you. And here is the grace that we see. Well, how do I do that? He says, receive this implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Receive the word that God has planted in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't be slow to anger. I can't be uh, quick to listen. I can't be slow to speak on my own. But God has provided a helper. And the word, the gospel, has been planted in you. You actually have the tools to work this out. It doesn't mean that you have the tools to try harder for you and depend more on yourself and and the harder you work, the better you're gonna perform. No, this is the grace of it. This is the beauty of it that God has implanted in you the word, the gospel. You have gospel transformation implanted in you that you can access as a child of God. And we see James says, this has been planted in you and it has the power to save you. On your own, you can grasp, you can move, you can try, you can work. You cannot save yourself. But the gospel has been planted in you. James looks at our heart like it's a garden, okay? To the heart, the heart is a garden to James, And as we live our lives apart from his word, as we live our lives where where we're the king of our own lives and the captain of our own ship, where we sit on our own throne, and when we're offended, we use that as, well, it's justified anger. When we're offended, well, I can say what I want to say because I'm in the right here. Well, I can... Just hear me because I have the answers. I have the truth. When we live in this world where we're the king of our own lives, we actually are growing just a garden of weeds. James looks at the heart and he goes, he goes there's just weeds that are growing. And the command to put off, to get rid of these weeds, is the work of us moving forward and trusting the gospel that's been planted in us. You see, so, so as, we, as we move forward, as we grow, as we de-weed, you know, and we deconstruct this whole weed yard that we have, as we pull weeds, we realize we have the power to live out the gospel because he has planted it in our heart. So James is saying, pull out the weeds in your heart, and as you pull out the weeds in your heart, you'll see that you have all the tools that you need to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, to be slow to, be slow to anger. You have the tools to live this out through the power of gospel transformation that you've earned? No. That you've worked for? No. 
that your loving Father has planted in you so that you may use and you may know him more. And, and what is that gospel? What is that gospel? God has settled the debt of you, of you and me, our sin. God has settled the debt of sinners by serving the sentence that we deserved. That's, that's planted in you. The gospel that can transform you to become someone who desires to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Why? Because God has planted in you the truth of the gospel that he has served your debt. You and I are criminals. We're rebels. Yet instead of God inflicting us with what we deserved, he inflicted himself. That changes how we live. And that's, that's where we see James is saying, quit trying to do these things, but instead, this gospel that's been planted in you, believe it, live it. Because it's changing you. It's, it's the transformation that the gospel does on your heart which affects everything else. How you speak, how you hear, how you act. Daniel Doriani, a commentator of a, a Bible ransom, had given me a, he says this about James and, 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 this, and this whole subject. We therefore understand that though none can meet God's requirements, okay? So hopefully we're in the room, we all understand this. God has, has given us what it means to live, what life looks like. He's given us all things. Um, we have failed to keep those things those that he's given us. And so he says, we cannot meet God's requirements. You and I cannot do that. He grants, God grants the wisdom needed to navigate this world and the next to all who simply have the faith to ask his aid. This is undeniable grace. We cannot meet his requirements, therefore he grants wisdom for you and I to navigate this world and the next. And this is undeniable grace. It's planted in you. So you and I, we, we can't live up to this, and this is what I was struck with this week as I was reading uh, this first. I, I, I wanted to just finish the chapter, but the reality was, you know what? I can't even do these three. These commands that, that James was, was sharing with the early church, I'm failing. I'm not doing these things. How do I live these out, friends? We live these out with gospel transformation. We live this out with verse 21 that God has planted in you. He's planted in you this word. In Christ and through Christ because of Christ. We can be quick to listen. Why? Because Jesus was quick to listen for you. We can be slow to speak. Why? Because Jesus was slow to speak perfectly. Why? Because Jesus was slow to anger perfectly, praying for his enemies, not his enemies, but those that hated him, praying for them on the cross as he died. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Slow to, slow to anger. Jesus was perfect in that for us. And with this, this morning, um, my call to you to myself this week 
has been, I can't, but Christ has and is. And so this morning, as, as we, we think through getting ready to come to the Lord's Supper, and we, we think through um, who we are, just the reports that James was hearing from the early church, take a breath. Whether you're far from God and skeptical of who Jesus is, or you're a follower that just feels like I keep stumbling, take hope in the gospel that's planted in you. You didn't earn it. You didn't do the harvesting and the planting of it. It's been God's undeniable grace to you. And that's what leads us into maturity and growth. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful for this message that you are not a God that just demands and demands and demands that we meet certain marks but that you are a God that in our failure to meet any kind of requirements and all requirements that you set, you don't toss us out. You actually come and you complete perfectly all the marks and requirements that are needed. You are good. And I pray, Lord, uh, for our hearts this morning that we would reconcile with the fact that we cannot live up to the things that we're called to, but that you have satisfied all of our shortcomings. There's nothing left undone. It's all been satisfied by you, Jesus. And we can put our hope in you because you've planted this truth in our hearts, and we can worship you and grow in that grace. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.